Welcome to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Casey Siddons. Hey, Mr. Hello. Siddons. Hey. Welcome. Happy welcome. Thursday. Welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. And of course, Mr. Peter Crable. Hey, Mr. Crabes. Hey, Dr. Roberts. How you doing? I'm doing all right. We are the threesome. This is Ed's Not Dead. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode two of, I can't believe it, every time I go to the show notes, season five of Ed's Not Dead. Season five. Some of our, our, our shared folders were, were created in 2017. Well, all right. So, so I, made up a, I made up a total fib the other day because it sounded really good. <laughs> I said that we, <laughs> we, were, we were past our 100th show. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> is, no. That, is that it? Total, t- no. Well, we're, 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 hold no. on. Is that, our last is, one that we just released was number 100 on iTunes. Okay. So now, okay. now we've done a couple, you know, where we pulled out interviews that people really liked, or we've Plus redone fifteen episodes from uh, my podcast. Yeah, okay. I know. Can't can't I mean, we count those on there too? Yeah, we count. I mean, Robbie, we did a lot for that for pandemic. I mean, we did. I, I wasn't going to count. I was going to do some counting. And I, if, yeah. if, we, if we added the pandemic pass uh, and some of your spinoffs, would we be over a hundred? No, pandemic pass is that hundred. It's it gets us to a, a hundred even. This would technically be one hundred one. Oh, there you go. So we so welcome to our hundredth show. <laughs> it's a big celebration for Ed's not dead. <laughs> I I do think we need I do think we need to know uh, when the hundredth show is because we need to we need to celebrate that. Yes. Yeah, we, yeah, that's that's a big deal. As my, always, my guess is if, if you take out. Um, Kind of all all of the extra ones that we've kind of put in there over over the years in the pandemic past. My guess is this is about eighty. That's, That's about right. Okay, yeah. it seems like it should be a little bit more. <laughs> I, it, it feels like. I mean, what was I mean, the when did we when did we create these docs? These show notes, two thousand seventeen, seventeen, seventeen. Yeah, but yeah, 20, was... twenty a season for four seasons gets us to eighty, and we it's we true. did not do twenty every season. This is this is true. Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Pulp Education, a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. You can find what we're doing on Twitter, of course, at Ed's Not Dead PC, and check out the website, which I did today, fellas, just by chance, edsnotdead.com. All right, we've got a great show tonight. Uh, We are guestless, but that's okay, because we are going to delve into two very interested and related stories. Um, arresting parents at school board meetings. That's always a hot take and a winner, right? <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to nothing we're, controversial tonight. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're going to get into that. And then we're also going to delve into how much say parents should have in what's taught in school. But before we do that, um, I looked at the show notes and I don't think we do show feedback anymore. Do we? I mean, no, we decided not to share it on the air. Okay, uh, so it's, you know, it's private, it's confidential. We, just, no, we'll just, we tweet about it usually. Okay, all right, yeah. got it. So uh, what have you boys been up to? How are, how are things? There's no kids screaming in the background, Mr. Graves? Not yet, but just give it time and it'll show up. <laughs> all right. uh, I, I was a little late to the game, but I did watch uh, Squid Game. Whoa. <sighs> my, sister, my, my sister's obsessed with it. It is. is it? Amazing. I thought it was amazing. It was so good that I was like disappearing to corners of the house and like watching it on my phone, you know, in, like <laughs> 10 minute increments so that nobody knew us what was going on. But I was, I, I, I'm not like a binge TV watcher. Me uh, neither. Like at all. And I would say this fell into binge watching territory. Nice. Um, is it, is it a Hunger Games kind of thing? Is um some of yeah. that's what somebody yeah. that's what somebody compared it to. Yeah, I'd say there's like elements of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's from South Korea. Yep, South Korea. Um, and uh, basically, people that are like desperate and owe a ton of money are offered an opportunity to to win, you know, thirty million dollars or whatever the number is by playing these like schoolyard children games and. You know they're picked off one by one until you have a winner, which you know that's like the the meta story. But um, I don't know. I like the characters and like the dynamics between the characters, and it was just cool and interesting. And ten show, you know, ten episodes and out. Uh, so I highly recommend. Nice. All right. 
I got to I got to check it out. The rest of the world. <laughs> so you you're you you might be a little surprised by this. Um I I recently saw a movie and I was um that I've been wanting to see forever. Well, let me let me rephrase that. I've wanted them to make a good movie out of this book forever because this book had a huge impact on me in the 1980s. Dune. Dune. I am a Dune. I'm a Dunephile. Um, I saw Dune on Saturday. David uh, Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> David Bowie. Where did that come from? Sting. Oh, yeah, David- <laughs> Sting. Oh yeah, Sting was yeah. in it. Was it David Bowie? No, it was Sting. Oh. It was Sting, and it was awful. Uh, <laughs> David Lynch directed it. Uh, Is that eighty four. Yeah, he of Twin Peaks fame. Ah. Um, I've yeah, never that, read. I've never read Dune. Uh that it's. I mean, it is, is it a, worth it. It's worth. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's a. It is a seminal science fiction novel. Um, in fact, some people say that much of George Lucas's inspiration for Star Wars. I mean, you, you when you see it, you'll see how much George borrowed from from Dune. Wow. Um, it's it's great, and and it was it's such it's one of those stories that the special effects world finally caught up with a story like this. So you can actually make it. Right. Um, and the kids love it because it's got, it's got the, it's got Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya in it. And they're, do you guys know who those two people are? No. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? I'm a huge fan of Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Hello, Jason right. Momoa is in it. That's uh... Jason Momoa. He plays Jason Samosa. Just <laughs> Jason Momoa. He plays Duncan Idaho, and he's pretty awesome. He is he's bad with a sword. Um, yeah, no, you guys should check it out. You'd like it. Uh, so yeah, so I saw it. Great. I'm yeah. gonna read it. You should read it, Frank Herbert. Uh, yeah. I think it was published in '64. '65. It says here in '65 Wikipedia okay. page. Yeah, and I read it in '84, so 20 years after it was published. Um, and as a kid, it just, I saw, I was like 15 when I read it. It just blew me away. It's such an awesome story. It's, it's a, it's an eco tragedy slash Messiah story. Um, just slash very cool sci-fi stuff. I'm sold. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Uh, I I have nothing to share about television binging, but, but you have a, you have a, you have a, your daughter's birthday's coming up. That's right, that's right. That's right. And, and you, and you scheduled a two hour birthday party, which you've been told. <laughs> three uh, hours. Three, three hours. hours. It's like four hours. So point. I just, I just wanted, I wanted, I wanted yes. stated, stated for the record that Mr. Crable's, Mr. Crable and I are probably going to come, but we're only going to stay for 90 minutes. Okay. So as long as you come for the first 90 minutes, RD, and then Crable, you can come the last 90 minutes then it'll be like a nice overlap yeah well if ed's not rep- dead represented for the entire party right, which which right. is pretty important i think Frida will. i think it's essential really um i'm still watching great british baking show because it gives me joy uh i'm watching workaholics which is my favorite show on the entire planet it's so good <laughs> and then the last thing is uh rg I, I you know i i know we're we're gonna save take backs and apologies for the end of the episode but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share more at the end of the episode, but I've been doing a lot of thinking about 80s music versus 90s music. And Oh, I, have, I, I, sent, I sent a take back coming. There's a take back and it's coming at the end of the episode, but I wanted to share it now as a little teaser. So we'll, we'll, we'll share it at the end of the episode. Okay. That, that, that's, that's There's good. a reason why I'm bringing it up and I'll, I'll talk about it later. All right. Well, as, as you're wearing a Stone Temple Pilot shirt. We, we, yeah. And that's part of the story. That's oh, part okay. of the story. Right, yes. All right. Well, right no, more, no more. Okay. By by the way, for the record, I'm a big STP fan. I really I love STP. That. Yeah, I mean that was they okay. were like they were like in my wheelhouse, right? When you know, ninety one, ninety two, they were that. And did, is he alive or did he die? No, Scott Weiland died. Scott Weiland died. That's what I thought. But this I, shirt is from that 2003 tour, number four. Went with my dad. <laughs> yeah. nice. Wilkes-Barre Arena. Very this nice. Shirt, this shirt is. What was uh, I was telling my students that uh, my sixth graders are, I was like, what year were you born? They're like 2010. I was like, this shirt is seven years younger or seven years older than you are. And they're like, what? That just means that- you're old. Yeah, hey, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love interstate love song? Oh, it's so good. I That's mean, a good like- that is a great jam, right? Mr. Graves, you like that song? Yeah. You can't oh. beat it. Yeah. I, I All right. So SCP recently on, on uh, like Sirius. And I was like, man, 
That's good. That's good. They had like three solid albums right in a row that were just yeah. rockers. Yeah. So I will tell you, my wife, who you know, you all know, she's a she's she's she knows her music pretty well. Toad um, the wet sprocket went to the original Lollapalooza. She was oh, there, wow. the first one. Um, she has always said that STP that they are pretenders. Um, I, I disagree. She, disagree. She, she never has given them any love. So I did want to add one thing before we jump into our first piece. Um, you know how somebody says something, it's a throwaway line and, and you shouldn't remember it, but um, the, uh, the James Taylor sucks comment. Um, <laughs> it stayed with me for like the last two weeks. And so I, I ran, I ran it by various people. Okay. Cause well, I, cause I was thinking that, you know, okay, I have to, this could be generational. I mean, who did you who did you run it by? What are their ages? Was it across? No, no, all geezers. I ran okay. it by all geezers. So well, so- let me tell you my first James Taylor experience <laughs> at the Wolf Trap, where we were all seated. <laughs> I got to bring my cooler and my my snacks and my I, wine and cheese. I brought a cooler of Heinekens. <laughs> but we had to bring cans there was stop it there were there was uh there was somewhat there was mixed kind of agreement with with your bold statement yeah i mean there were i think we kind of came to the place and this is not meant to be offensive in any way i think we kind of came to the place that maybe it's just it is a generational thing and you all just don't really I mean, who gets James Taylor now? Who uh, I mean, wh- who listens to music like James Taylor's music? Um, then there were a couple comments of that his voice is annoying. Um, <laughs> there was there was there was total disagreement with that he's not a great songwriter. Oh yeah. Um, that that was I think we all we all thought he was a good songwriter. Um, I agree. Yeah. But maybe stylistically, he doesn't play now with yeah. and and when you all were growing well, up i mean folk rock is or just folk i get not even folk rock yeah you know? he it's, was he was he was that's a genre that's a genre that's really fallen off the ledge and i would totally yeah. agree that like it's just that is not in my wheelhouse like at yeah. all yeah all right so there's the james Taylor segment okay so <laughs> let's talk about um arresting parents at board meetings yes. <laughs> so with our with our you know seemingly ever more divided country and partisan politics um culture wars ongoing culture wars that always seem to seep into public ed um there uh there's been increasingly according to Merrick Garland, the attorney general, increasingly bad behavior across the nation at board meetings. Um, Could be anything from mask mandates to critical race theory. Um, Those have been two biggies lately, right? And um, so Merrick Garland apparently put out a, a memorandum recently that said... And the USA, USA Today took, uh, took exception with this, said the memorandum lacked any kind of quantitative data, no actual proof of increased violence. Um, one can find evidence in a September 29th letter from the National School Board Association of Biden documenting, quote, heinous actions that could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. Uh, but this piece in USA Today goes on to say that uh, no real quantitative evidence or even examples are given uh, for bad behavior. Um, I think we've all read about um, about raucous school board meetings and voices being raised and fights, et cetera. Um, but now Merrick, Gar- Merrick Garland's memo suggests that law enforcement should be involved even to the extent of the FBI being involved what's your take on a whether this is really happening and b whether the the law enforcement or government in some form or fashion should crack down on it yeah it's it is 
such an incredibly fine line to to walk here because um, while the the USA Today opinion piece I think is correct that there is no like quote unquote quantifiable data to demonstrate bad behavior. Anecdotally, it certain certainly seems, and this would not come as a surprise to anybody, as you mentioned in kind of like the hyperpolarization era that we're currently in, that um, that the the behavior has gotten worse. Now, with all that being said, like school board meetings have always been and and should be a place for the public to come in and be able to express their opinions. In a perfect world, they would express them civilly. They would express them without. Um, you know, any, any whether uh, explicit or implied threats of violence, um, people are, are very hot and I don't excuse any of that. So I, I don't know. I think it is a fine line. I think you still, even if people disagree with masks, which I disagree with them, they should still be able to come and state their opinion. But at the point where it gets into um, any sort of harassment or intimidation or threats of violence, 100% they should step in, law enforcement should step in. And to be clear, this is not, the FBI would not be coming to your house. If you were to show up to a school board meeting and, and intimidate, threaten, whatever, whatever the definition of that is, a school board member, the FBI, from what I understand, would not come to your house. It's coordination and partnership with local law enforcement. So I, I think like an issuing of a memo, this kind of like, hey, heads up, these things are happening, to be prepared for them, which is how I read the memo, um, you know, not being versed in legalese. I think that's fine is to be prepared for it because otherwise if you stick your head in the sand and you're, you don't acknowledge the fact that people are really upset and the people, some people may be willing to do crazy things, then basically you're doing nothing until there is an actual act of violence against a school board member, at which point it's too late. So in that sense, I guess I'm okay with, a general guideline memo from from federal law enforcement that's just like um, if you need help or assistance, we are like a large uh, law enforcement body that can help you. I, I also think like it's the the next, unfortunately, the next step in the quote unquote culture wars and where the politics is now heading, which is schools. And schools have always been controversial in some ways, uh, you know causing several sides of different stories. But I think we're seeing what we have seen in uh, political parties and town council meetings. Now it's down to schools and school boards where the the vitriol and the poison and the toxic uh, rhetoric is now coming to school boards. And it's, I mean, the data is pretty clear that there's either qualitatively, anecdotally, that there are threats of physical violence against board members. And I don't know, it just, I, I, it goes back to my, I keep thinking like it's Facebook's fault. <laughs> Let's just go back to Facebook. It's the, Facebook's fault. <laughs> the, 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 the only, you know, since I'm the resident geezer on the show, um, yeah, I, would just, think, I would think you're against it, but go ahead. Well, I just think we have to fight this. Casey, and I, I'm not really disagreeing with you, but I just think we have to fight this inclination uh, or this proclivity to think that things are worse than they used to be. Um, I, I can tell you that there was a period in the 1970s um, when my father was a, you know, a higher level school administrator um, where school board meetings were just off the hook. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I mean, Dwight Eisenhower had to call in federal troops to escort the Little Rock Nine. Um, yeah, they this closed is not, down all Virginia schools, public schools in Virginia were all closed after board, Brown v. Board. So, so this is this is not new. And 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 you know, contentious contentiousness, bad behavior on the part of parents, even educators. Um, but mostly parents uh, <laughs> at board meetings, you know, I, I think has a long history and, and I, I just wouldn't want to overplay it. I do think sometimes, you know, you, you know, the other side will then characterize this as the jackbooted left coming in the, the government thugs squash um, free speech. And correct. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and, and that, you know, I mean, and listen, there's, there, 
I could see how that could be perceived and there, there could be some truth to that. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, I just, I just wish cooler heads would prevail. I do think, you know, to, to your point, Mr. Krabs, um, school boards are really one of the, the most important places in our democratic country where people can come and just let loose yep. uh, about their feelings and, and what do they care most about in the world, which is their, their, kids. their children, their, their children. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to see the Biden administration overreach on it and, and, um, you know, respond and, too much. And uh, I like the other arm of this is where did some of this come from? There's like the two main veins. One is, you know, CRT critical race theory and this idea that we're teaching critical race theory in schools, which is not true. Um, and then masks and, and vaccination policies and things like that. So you have the pandemic issues combined with the cultural and race issues, and it's all coming to a head in, in ways that are, uh, you know, where board members, it says in the article that there are people are resigning. You have board of education members who are resigning, who are quitting, who are, are afraid for their own physical safety. And, uh, it, you know, you could disagree with ideas. You can disagree without being disagreeable, but I think the, the amount of toxic, uh, rhetoric that has come about from our community, from communities in which we live is, is concerning. Well, and certainly, and certainly I don't think you were, it was, was hyperbolic to say that, you know, social media certainly has, has played a role in, in kind of, um, igniting that or or fanning the flames even more yeah yeah and i just you know to repeat the like a caveat in there it's like people are resigning and some some school board members say they fear for their safety so you know take that with a grain of salt i think a little bit because if i ran for the board of ed and i didn't really know that once a month I had to go before the public and right and get just, flogged. Just get flogged. <laughs> I'd correct. quit. I'd quit. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yes. Ir- irrespective of any like contentious issues, you know what I mean? Um, but to be told like how terrible I am and all the terrible things I'm doing and how much they disagree with me, I mean, that would that would be hard to sit there and take. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And add in of really fiery whatever, you know, I think that is also um, you know, that plays up that plays it up too. And then again, you know, I, I, I think there's some specific clear in this article cited examples of, yes, that is definitively like a threat against you and your safety. But I think, um, you know, a lot of times it's, it's probably very hard to discern what an actual threat is. Right. And, you know, so so for people to say I'm, I'm resigning for fear of my safety, you know, is it because you have a, a group of really pissed off people that really dislike what you're doing or like, did they actually say we're going to hurt you? And how do you, how do you kind of, you know, suss that out to what's what? So again, just kind of going back to the the really fine line between what is acceptable and what is not. And and I think in this case, just ensuring that um, as vehemently as I or we or whoever may disagree, you, you still need to let people speak. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, listen, if you've ever sat through a board meeting, even in, even on the most boring board topics, which, which still fiery people, public testimony, you'll, you would think it was, you know, the most important thing in the world. Yeah. Um, uh, one, uh, my dad always had this funnyism when he was late, uh, later in life, he would watch one of those weird, bizarre cable access channels on Comcast and he would Wayne's watch, room. he would, he would, <laughs> He would watch the the cable access. I feel old even saying cable access um, to the to the local to his local school board meetings. And one night he told me on the phone. He said the great thing about watching the board meetings is that I can get up and use the bathroom and go to the kitchen, and I I can be gone. And I know when I come back, it'll still be going on. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a never ending show. Uh, all right, what did what did. Uh, what what's the famous line um, by Mark Twain about school boards? Oh boy! Oh, Come on, somebody know. has to pull it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it's in the, one in the, the first in the first place, 
God made idiots, then he made school boards. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think he said he God made idiots. That was for practice. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the first place, God made idiots. This was for practice. Then he made school boards. <laughs> <laughs> what is that quote from? What year? Nah, it's, it's, it's one of I mean. But it tells Mark- you the deep-seated, you know. History. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely. I mean, it's Twain, and who was who was a greater com- commenter on American democracy than Twain? Um, so yeah. Anyway, all right. So that leads us to do we do we need to take a break? Are we are we taking a break? Let's, we can lead right into the next one if you want. Ooh, it's, really, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of content. A lot of pressure. Oh man. Okay. Well, well, if we're going to split it up, I have another quote from Mark Twain that I can enlighten you on. All right. Why, why don't you do that? Why don't you? I'm going to make Crable really unhappy with um, his his editing responsibilities. <laughs> a a but, million musical interludes. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Leave us before we go to break. Leave us with the other twain. All right. From November 23rd, coming up in a month, 1900. In the first place, God made idiots. This was for practice. Then he made school boards. And then the next uh, quote from the same speech was, "Every time you stop a school." You will have to build a jail. What you gain at one end, you lose at the other. It's like feeding a dog on his own tail. It won't fatten the dog. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I think I, I like school, you know, to prison pipeline. It sounds yeah, like it's sounds pretty like... much. What 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 year was that? Nineteen hundred. Wow. There you go, Twain, ahead of his time. There you go. All right, uh, all right, folks, don't go away. Uh, we will be right back after this short commercial break. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm still with my co-host, Mr. C.H. Siddons and Mr. Krabs. We decided not to leave. We did. Mr. Mr. Crable uh, went and put the kids to bed. And during that commercial <laughs> break, we hope you enjoyed the commercials. As always, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Pulp Education, a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. So we are going to pivot. Actually, it's not pivoting. We are going to stay along the same lines. Mm-hmm. Valerie Strauss, who we occasionally... Uh, cover in the Washington Post. She has a blog, The Answer Sheet. Imagine a class with 25 kids and all of their parents insist on telling the teacher what to teach. So she starts off by um, kind of painting that picture of of the, the chaos that might create. So this gets at the heart of, we were talking about, about parents um, or attendees at school board meetings behaving badly. Well, why are they at school board meetings? Because they want to voice or they want to have say in their children's education. If you go to a school board meeting, that means that you um, want to be heard about what, what your kids are learning or what the schools are doing. Uh, our friend, Diane Ravitch, uh, guest on the pod, right? We had Diane That's right. on. That's right. Uh, there's a quote in, in, in Strauss's blog. It's absurd for parents to tell teachers what to teach, says Diane Ravitch, an education historian and an advocate for public schools. The result would be chaos, and in most cases would be parents telling teachers to teach the way they were taught decades earlier. It thoroughly discredits the teacher's professionalism and expertise. I can't think of a more effective way to demoralize teachers and drive them out of the classroom. And fellas, this has really come to a head um, in, for us, local politics, the gubernatorial race between uh, Glenn Young, Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe. Um, Youngkin has capitalized or kind of leveraged a statement that McAuliffe made a few years ago um, where he basically said, I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decision. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Youngkin has has seized on that to um, rile parents up about uh, about being excluded from having a say in their kids' education. So my question for you, and um, I know that this there's a very fine line in this, but parents vote. Parents vote for school board members. 
So in a sense, they do have a say through the ballot box, right? Um, and in some school systems, they help hire principals. Uh, they sit on interview panels. Mm-hmm. Um, they s- can be involved in organizations like the PTA, PTSA. Um, they have say there. How much say should they have in what is actually taught in schools? Where's that line? Oh, man. Well, can I first say Glenn Youngkin? More like Glenn Oldkin. Am Whoa. I right? Am I right? <laughs> old thinking All right, um yeah sorry um i when i read diane ravage's quote i was like i i couldn't agree i i agree 100 wholeheartedly um i think the profession of teaching is already demoralized it's already being the the way that teachers are treated in the in this wah, country wah. are already being driven out of the classroom <laughs> like they're they're already treated like non-professionals across the country. Um, so I, I think the, if you have the insertion of parents adding every single opinion that they have about every single thing that is taught, I think it's just, it, it absolutely, and, and I'm quoting her again, it discredits the teacher's professionalism 100%. Um, now, the, the, other, the other side to this is in how do we, solicit parent input and feedback on what we do and what we teach. I, I think that's a different conversation. I think it's a different road than getting emails or, or having contentious board meetings about what's being taught in school. And I, I'll but, stop but, there but, for but, other. But, but let me ask you this. Uh, uh, how much do teachers really get to decide what they teach already? Is what is taught a teacher decision or is it a school or is it a school system decision? So who's really being assaulted here? Is it teachers? Is it principals? Well, it's, it, I, it's, it's the system. system. Don't talk over me. At, Let me finish speaking. I would, say, I would say it's the system at large. Cause like, okay. you're right. I mean, like you, like if you have big, big school systems, you have probably curriculum development you have, or, or they're, they're, or they're buying curriculum perhaps. Um, but I mean, there are choices that teachers make on a on a granular level, like what novels they want to teach or what articles they want to bring into the conversation that help, you know, uh, support something that they're talking about in class, some current events, things like that. So there are a lot of teacher choices that I think are being criticized in this realm, and I, I don't I don't think it's right. But but most states have curriculum standards. And yes. most and most school systems are obligated to align whatever they teach with those standards. Correct. Um, so I, I guess I'm just saying, is it? I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not trying to say that teachers aren't being targeted, but I'm just wondering if 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 Ravitch is really right that teachers are the ones that are taking it on the chin here. It sounds like to me, school systems as a whole are the ones that are more under assault. Yeah. And, and I think maybe individuals, schools as well. Right. And, you know, by proxy, you know, administrators often are kind of, I think the ones fielding. Oh yeah. Schools. We're the ones that hear it. Right. Right. And, and so going back to our last conversation and, and Casey, you brought it up. I, you know, and Robbie, you asked the question. I mean, I do think Parents do have a say. You vote for a school board, right? And they decide. You know, yep, they, they purchase. Do. They purchase the curriculum. They give the AOK on this, that, or the other. So, go to your school board meeting and say that you disagree with X, Y, Z, whatever the case may be, um, and get somebody elected that who aligns with your views. Um, I, you know, I, that could, I guess, come across as like a little dismissive. If, if you're in um, the minority, let's say, of a, of a specific belief, um, you know, and you, your voice is not heard. But I, I don't know. That, that's just kind of like the way that democracy works. And different states have different standards and different states have different points of emphasis. You know, and I don't want to say, well, if you don't like it, move. But there are mechanisms in place to have um, to have a say. And Maybe I'm, I'm I'm doing a little the the whiny what was me, but you know it's <laughs> like, when don't don't tell your school, you know, tell tell the school board, right? Um, but with that being said, that and that's not to say that parents shouldn't express opinions to school. 
That's not to say that parents shouldn't be in contact if they hear about something and they have questions about it, or even perhaps they disagree with what is being said. For sure, like PTAs, PTSAs, I mean, those those are mechanisms by which individual parents can work within the confines of the system to affect any change that they want. Right. Um, so, you know, it's sort of like, I would encourage anyone who disagrees with what is being taught in their school to go through the system to, to get what they want. It, it's, it's so interesting. Like I'm thinking back at my own public education experience. My dad was a local council councilman for many years. Uh, not, a, not a board of ed member, but um, not once do I ever remember either my mom or my dad saying any, like questioning anything that was, that was, that we were learning about or questioning, you know, they had, I'm sure they had opinions about some of my teachers because it's a small town. So they probably knew a lot of them, but never did they ever think uh, of going to a board meeting, not saying they didn't have the right to, but like of questioning what was being taught in school. Um, And maybe that's where I get part of my opinion from now that I'm an educator as well. But um, I, I think uh, and, and Robbie, I don't know if you wanted to transition to this part, but we are, there's also a quote in there from Leslie Fenwick, another guest was, of the yeah, pod, friend of the pod. Yep. And I think the, what she was talking about, the parental rights cry, we're hearing, we're seeing echoes of that from, uh, after 1954's Brown v. Board decision and ruled that segregation of children in public schools was unconstitutional. Um, and she talked about white parents burning books, uh, pressuring school boards to actually close down schools and to adopt books that, um, or, or at least there is a sizable community in that time period that wanted to have more representation. And you have a lot of, had a lot of pushback from white parents who didn't want that to happen. So, um, I, I have, unfortunately, I think we're, we're seeing the pendulum shift or swing back to that. Well, and, and I don't, I, I was going to make a different point kind of with the same quote or the same idea that it, it, it goes to both sides. You, you could have one side that um, there was a quote in there about like sexually explicit books being in uh, the school library or, right. you know, uh, more quote unquote, like traditional curricular materials or content. But then you also have kind of like the opposite side, like Fenwick talked about um, having parents wanting a more inclusive curriculum that was right. not um, kind of like white Euro centered. Um, and, you know, so again, it's like the constant push and pull that school boards do in the dance they do to try and try and like make people happy or maybe their goal is not to make people happy. It's just to say right. this is what we're doing, you know, so deal with it or whatever. Right. But there, it, I, I, I do think it goes both ways for people wanting a change in one way or the other to include or not include any curricular materials. Yeah. I, I would also argue, I, I mean, I'm a, and I said this to our guest last week, um, that, you know, there, there's a, there's this idea and I, I buy into it because I've done it for a career that, um, you know, central offices in school systems are composed of what you would might refer to in the research as administrative professionals, right? So they've, they've been trained in curriculum, leadership, various kinds of educational professionalized positions. Right. Um, and they're, they're, they're just like teachers are certified in a way that professionalizes them. Mm-hmm. So to an extent, I do believe that parents should put their trust in those that are in the profession. Um, and, and, uh, and, and also though have to answer to a school board. Um, but my, my larger point is this, and I'm not sure school systems always do a great job in this is that school systems also have an obligation to explain to parents why it's important to teach. Yes. And, and that sometimes I think that's part of the problem is that you read lots of, I read lots of pieces where I can see where a school system didn't do a very good job of getting out in front of an issue yep. and, and, and allow, you know, getting the, the input of parents, explaining really clearly why this is good for kids. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's on, that's on educators to do yes. a better, to do it. You're not going to be able to convince everybody, 
But just like any organization, you have to have a plan for how you explain um, why something is important for, for kids to learn. And I think most people, most reasonable people will at least listen yeah. um, and, and, and try to understand, even if it goes against their beliefs. Yeah, that's and, fair. And, you know, one, one last point, kind of a, a side tangent um, I'd like to make before we move to the quiz. Side tangent. I think that's redundant. <laughs> ST. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a de- it's, it's a detour side tangent. Uh, okay, go ahead. You know, is uh, I, I, it's a bit of a lament, I suppose. Um, and, and maybe it reflects a little, like, naivety on, or is it naivete? Naivete. Or, <laughs> on, on my part. Um, the schools do get dragged into the push and pull of the quote unquote culture wars and that schools at their best are a place for all sorts of kids and educators to have a place where they are a community and whether they're still a community once they leave the building, you know, different question, different idea, but that in the building, you know, I, I hate to think that there are like outside forces you know, already kind of complicating the work of taking a thousand, two thousand, however many students. And like, as a school administrator, you're trying to make everybody come together and be like, we're, we're together. We're in this together. We're a community. We support each other. And it's just, you know, again, a bit, a bit lamenting what was me just to, to see and read about things that, um, that don't do that. Um, right. and it could spill into the, the schoolhouse that, that kind of work against what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, I agree. I, I was just going to say that I, you know, but I mean, there, there's a part of you guys know I love, I, I kind of like conflict sometimes. Um, and I, yeah. I don't, I, well, I mean, I, schools are not closed systems organizationally. And, right. and, and as the country goes through upheaval, you know, and has times of, where things are fairly status quo and static. And then we have events um, like the, the murder of George Floyd and, and, and a racial reckoning in the country that is ongoing and, and for, you know, the foreseeable future will continue. I mean, schools to a degree should reflect that tumultuous kind of democracy that we live in. I mean, they should be a place of disagreement and, and discourse on, on what kids should learn and how they should learn it. That they can't be, they can't be wrapped in saran wrap and sealed away from the views, uh, the, the the pendulum of the electorate. I mean that they they were. It's a, it's an essential part of that. So but that's, I, that's I, that. But that's precisely what a large group of people want to happen: is to turn schools into saran wrapped environments of traditional curriculum quote unquote absolutely on both sides though that that's that's not you can't just say one side wants to do that both sides have their pet causes that they'd like to to seal ourselves away and 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 be able to do things the way they want to do it but i i I will contend with and i think you make a really great point about uh, about this particular topic is I don't think it's a both sides issue, especially when you think of like opening up to our, like what is our society dealing with? What is our society having to process? The murder of of George Floyd is a perfect example of that and and a racial reckoning and bringing that into our school in terms of letting kids understand um, race and how it impacts our lives, right? Opening it up to that thing and and what our students are are experiencing and seeing in the world or or the, uh, you know, bringing in LGBTQ concerns into, you know, advisory classes and health education classes and understanding family life and things like that. So like, I, I think, I, I don't know that I, I can't say I, I agree with this, the, the analogy of Saran wrapping with, with both sides, but I, I do, I, I don't know. I, I, I but, don't know if I have do, a, but Casey schools have to be a place where people and kids, we have to model for kids not all kids are going to think the same way about things and there, they have to be safe spaces. For no, I, I, I totally different, agree. Di- differing opinions. I totally agree I, with you. To, and, and I believe you said this, I don't know if it was on air, but like we have to have a space where people can disagree. However, my, my point of worry comes like, for example, the LGBTQ discussion, like 
at what point are we going to allow for disagreement about certain things that we're telling people like about someone's individuality and someone's existence in our, in our society. Right. I, I don't think that there's a space for disagreement for saying, well, I don't think that you're a person or, or a disagreement about the pronouns that you, you prefer because of the gender fluidity that you're experiencing. So like, I think it's, it's, a it's, there are some topics and some things that we need to broach in school that are not arguable, that are not up for debate necessarily. Oh no, there are facts. I agree. I agree. And we've, you know, we know that facts have been a problem for a while um, based on 2016 forward. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And, and in those discussions, that's why if you have those discussions, schools are obligated to create really sound ground rules and structures for kids to be safe um, where they're not going to be victim of, of something that is, that is hurtful or devalues them in any way. And you can, you can, I think you can do that. Um, and, and, you know, you're going to have extreme views. Um, and you know, we know that we have to manage those, right. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was very heavy. That was was heavy. (laughs) It is so heavy. I'm so tired. Let's let's take another commercial break. (laughs) All right. Uh, it is time for a Casey quiz. Current Woo! events. Are you guys ready? Yep. All I'm right, ready. Dodd, you get the first one. First set of three questions. Okay. And then I have some bonus ones. I think, I to, think we uh, tied. I think we got two and a half each because he, he told me an answer that I wouldn't have gotten. Another that's day. right. That's yeah, right. That was, was, look at you, Mr. Craves. Good memory. Very nice of Dr. Dobbs. Um, all right. Number one for Dr. Dobbs. The 2021 World Series between the Houston Astros and the blank begins Tuesday night against A, the Los Angeles Dodgers, B, the Atlanta Braves, C, Boston Red Sox, or D, the Brewers. Are you are you being very you're being very nice to me tonight? That was that I've was noticed that. Cakewalk. I mean, uh, yeah, that would be. I don't I don't know the letter. I think it was B, but it would be the Atlanta Braves. That is correct. Ding. Number two, a massive storm unleashed by a blank merged with a quote unquote atmospheric river to cause mudslides and flooding in Northern California. Is it A, a flash hurricane, B, a chain tornado, a C, or C, a sudden earthquake, or D, a bomb cyclone? Uh, is that mine or Crable's? You're doing that all three. That would be Dodds, Dr. Dodds. Okay, so we're doing three straight here. Correct, correct. Sorry. Okay, can you read me the first part of the question again? I need a, the context clues. Sorry, a massive storm unleashed by a blank merged with an atmospheric river to cause mudslides and flooding in Northern California. Okay, I, I've always, you know, you know, I'm a... You know, I'm a fan of CWG. Little shout out to Capital Weather Gang from the Washington I love C-dubs. C-dubs. Uh, uh, they are, are you a fan big, of Matthew Capucci? I love Capucci. They Matthew are, Capucci. I first learned about the bomb cyclone from CWG. I'm going to, that's, that's my best guess. Oh, Correct. look at that. Which, which may be like the best meteorological term out there. Crable, <laughs> uh, has anybody so taken has anybody taken that and 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 named a band? I mean bomb cyclone uh, that that's that would be a great that's band. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah it's pretty good. All right. Two All two right. out of three. Here we Number go. three. The UN condemned Israel for naming six prominent human rights groups that help the blank as quote terrorist organizations. Is it A Coptic Christians, B Palestinians C, Syrian refugees, or D, Ethiopian refugees? Okay, I, I need, can you repeat the question? I sure can. This could the be a UN, trap question. The UN condemned Israel for naming six prominent human rights groups that help the blank as, quote, terrorist organizations. Is it A, Coptic Christians, B, I'm gonna go Palestinians? With, I'm going I'm to go with pa- Palestinians. Palestinians is correct for a three out of three score for Dr. Dodd. Well done. Thank you, sir. All right. Now, Mr. Krabs, I made the real hard ones just for you. Number one, (laughs) authorities are investigating how a prop gun fired on a movie set by actor Blank ended up killing the director of photography and injuring without any choices. Correct. Alec Baldwin. Number five. It was crazy. I remember listening to it and I was like, what? 
and incredibly tragic. Very sad. Yeah. Just, yeah. It was just horrific. Yep. Can, can you name another prominent actor who uh, befell the same fate with the same instance? Yes. That would be Bruce Lee's son. That's yes. right. With Brandon Lee. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon Lee, that's Brandon right. Lee. Yeah, 1990. What's the movie called? The um, The Crow. The Crow, that's right. Which 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 by the way was a very anticipated movie before the tragedy struck. Um it was you know because could you check my date on that 1991? 1991. Let's see. The maybe, Crow. Maybe 89. All right. The Crow, not The Crown. <laughs> 1990. 1994. Oh, I was too early. Okay. Anyway, yeah. 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 That was So that it was, was released then, huh? Yeah, they, it was weird because they 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 had a fill-in actor oh, um who finished the rest of the film. I, Alec Baldwin, that guy, he's kind of his own worst enemy. I mean, He's so he's reportedly not a nice guy, but I wouldn't no, want that to happen he, to anybody. Didn't you ever hear that recording of him calling his daughter? Yes, uh, not that, great. That, that, not that a great out. moment. That not was a great horrific. moment. That was horrific. Anyway, all right. all right, number two. All right, number two, Mr. Graves. A New York City commission agreed to remove a statue of former U.S. president and slave owner Blank from City Hall. Is it A, George Washington, B, John Adams, C, Thomas Jefferson, or D, James Madison? Ooh, like an impossible question. It's C, C, it's, it's C or it's C or D, Crable. It's not. It's I would. They wouldn't remove Washington and Adams. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Jefferson. Everybody. Jefferson is correct. Jefferson. Oh, look at that! All right, number three. The most powerful drug lord in blank, Dairo Antonio Usugo, known as Otoniel, was captured and will be extradited to the U.S. from. A, Paraguay, B, Venezuela, C, Colombia, or D, Panama? Uh, shot in the dark, uh, stereotyping with no context clues, Colombia? Colombia is correct. We have a tie, oh, two-way tie. Um, oh all right. So, Dr. Dodd, this one's for you, this bonus question. Blank. Former chief strategist in the Trump administration was found in contempt of Congress for defying a subpoena. This is a, uh, you want, uh, I'll give you multiple choice. Three my choices. Hero, my hero, a, Steve, Steve Bannon. Bannon. Correct. Steve Bannon is correct. All right. So Robbie's God, he, four. God he, he's an awful person. He's a terrible human being. Uh, all right. Bonus for you, Mr. Krabs. Former President Trump announced the launch of his own social media network called Blank Social. A, Trump. B, MAGA. C, truth, or D, reality? I think it's truth. Truth is correct. Hey, We're on a come wager on. tie. She's a little. Make these answers harder. Good Lord. All right. Um, uh, this next one is for Dr. Dodd. A major manhunt ended for Brian Laundrie, the fiance of Gabby Petito, after his remains were found in a blank wildlife refuge in which state? A, Wyoming, B, Montana, C, Florida, or D, New Jersey? Where else but Florida? That's correct. Okay. Well, all the crazy stories. Mr. Crable, this is going to be interesting. Make or break for you because this is the last question I have. (laughs) You had a lot prepared. Oh, my God. In a medical first, a kidney from which animal was successfully transplanted into a human at a New York City medical center? This is going to be a hard one. This is going to be a hard one. (laughs) A, pig. B, a baboon. C, chimpanzee. (laughs) Or D, orangutan. It's orangutan. Orangutan. And there's a G. There's no G. 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 Everybody says orangutan. Orangutan. Um, (laughs) I feel like I've heard about pigs in general being good organ donors. So I'm going to say pig. A a fetal pig. Pig is correct. (laughs) Come on. So a little, a little Siddons, a little Mr. Siddons uh, classroom secret from back in the day is that when I used to do review games with preferred activity time, I would rig it. So both teams won <laughs> or like they both tied. So nice. I didn't rig this one, but it worked out. All right. Two, two ties in a row, two ties in a row, Mr. Krabs. That was good. Good, yeah. good work, fellas. Those were good questions, Mr. Sids. I'm glad you liked them. Yeah, they weren't. They, I, I, I kind of like them when they're not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for our final segment of the day, gentlemen, 
Do you want oh, me to, is there, do you is mind, there another? Do you, mind, in, do you mind if I lead us into the? Oh, you're yeah. more than welcome to. All Go right. Well, do we have any take backs, apologies, or compliments? Take backs, apologies, or compliments. A new. I'm, I'm, while you a, think of it, I'm going to apologize. A, a new segment. That's right. While you think of it, I'm going to apologize. You know, for years, I ragged on Dr. Dobbs for his love of 80, 80s everything, 80s music, 80s cultural stuff, everything 80s. I ragged on him. And, uh, you know, the 90s, I thought 90s had good music and, and all this other stuff. 90s music is pretty awful, <laughs> pretty terrible. <laughs> There's really, it's there, it has few redeeming qualities and uh, the 80s really do rule in terms of a lot of things. And, and I, I'm apologizing. It's a long, long way coming, but I apologize. I take it back nice. and apologize. Uh, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Of you. Um, the only thing I will disagree with, because um, I'm in a bit of a tough position here that, you know, I was 25 in 1994, right? So, I mean, I liked grunge. I thought, I, I think the nineties had some good music. I thought the, the alternative scene really got going. I mean, didn't your favorite band fish really get going in the, in the nineties? They did, but I wasn't a fish fan until I was uh, almost 20. But there were, there were, there were fish fans in the nineties. Oh yes, of course, sure. yeah. Dave Matthews. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not I, sure. I, I could. I'm not sure. I could say which one was better. But I'm glad you took back that the eighties were off. Well, that's where, I, I, that's I, where you a started. Statement. Yeah. Well, yeah. of course, I'm good at generalizing. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> the whole compendium of music from start to finish in the eighties, I think, beats the nineties. Okay. By and large. Okay. All right. I'll take I'll take that. That's good. Uh, I would I would like to compliment both uh Robbie and Casey. You <laughs> usually in each show there's uh there's a moment where I, I start to feel really uncomfortable <laughs> and and wonder if this is gonna, gonna be this is going to be the one where like there's some we quit one of us quits yeah irredeemable <laughs> blowout uh <laughs> so i thought i sensed it coming when when uh robbie did not like casey cutting him off no he talked over him <laughs> totally yeah he cut you off and i i he's done they did one of these <laughs> <laughs> i will just speak louder uh it's so robbie demonstrated i thought a great deal of, of maturity and restraint <laughs> She's not always known for either. We well, we did we did start the we did start the podcast last time in a heated argument about my quiz. So, <laughs> oh, we did, we did, we did. Which but is another we, yeah recurring recurring theme. Uh, so yeah, compliments to both of you for, for just being professional throughout the show. Thank you. We're so good, so good. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Christ. We'll take it. Right, right, Mr. Sids. That's right. Uh, That's by great. the by the way, the uh, but I'm can oh, let me can I just go back to the. Um, is this a take back or an apology? No, the oh, okay. the eighties nineties music thing. But you have a really awesome vintage, and when I say vintage, not it's target really vintage. It's it's not target <laughs> vintage. It's like it's real vintage. Uh, STP shirt on Stone Temple. That's Pilots. right. It's the oldest so, shirt I own. So, um, you know what, Mister Craves, I'm I'm just so beaten down that I'm I I just can't. I'm just happy to can't even happy. rise to the bait. I'm happy to see you too. And Casey, <laughs> we've had a wonderful show. Haven't we? Mr. We have. Yeah. It's been great. All right. Uh, you know, I'm having, I'm having some, some learning issues with the new segment. I can, I have written on my pad here, take backs and compliments. I can't remember the middle one. Apologies. Apologies. And to, and to be clear, you don't have to have one. It's well, just, it, you know, it, it doesn't nice have to be about us either. It could be, it could be about anything. It could be about anyone or anyone, anywhere. Um, I'm thinking. I have, uh, I have a take back from about 15 years ago that I'd like oh to say. Okay. Okay. Go okay. for it. So there was a sandwich shop called Taylor, Taylor Gourmet, I think is yeah. the name of it. Was that in North Potomac? <laughs> I, no, it was, <laughs> it was like a local chain in the area. Yes. I don't I, and I went in any... and ordered a sandwich, and it was – I guess you could say ahead of its time in terms of being like um, artisanal sandwiches. So mm. I went in there and, you know, I, I like my sandwiches with, with mayo and mustard. 
Mm-hmm. Just, those are staple for me. You got to have those. Those are yeah, good. Very important. And um, I can't remember which uh, they did not even have in the store. And so I, I went online and I've, I, it might be the only Yelp review I've ever done, to be honest. And I blasted <laughs> them for not having mail as an option in the store. I can't believe that you, of all people, did yeah. that. That's something I would do <laughs> and ask for a refund. I did not, I did not do that. But, uh, but I, I've evolved since then. And I understand that not every sandwich needs to have mayo on it. <laughs> so I, I'd like to take back that, that Yelp review from 2006. That's fair. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's okay to have a sandwich without mayo or mustard on it, I guess. Get you learning and growing. <laughs> that's, that's. <laughs> Top that. There were, there were Yelp reviews that long ago? I think so. Maybe, maybe I'm, con, you know, adding more. Yelp, Yelp was around. It was, it was yeah, a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I, this is, this is, this, I, you know, I'm not very good at thinking of these things. Uh, this is semi-weak, but it's heartfelt. Uh, Mr. Siddons, I sincerely apologize and tell your your bride that I apologize for my uh, hour and a half comment about his <laughs> birthday. I do feel a little bad about it. No one no one made fun of me when I had my first child and I was happy about their birthday party. And I said, your birthday party sucks because it's three hours. <laughs> so I, I, ta- I, I, I take it back. I, I I'm appreciate gonna, it. I'm going to be there from beginning to end. Oh, my goodness. I just want you to know that. And <laughs> the, the Dodds will represent and it'll be, will be, it'll be fabulous celebrating Frida's one year. Two years. <laughs> Can I do a take take back? Another take oh, back. She's two. <laughs> she's two. No, she's not two. She's two. Okay. The reason is I'm I'm confusing Frida with our friend Greg's daughter. Oh, I get it. Who get just it. turned a year. She's very cute as well. Yeah. Yes. I, um, I, I, I Frida will be very excited to have well you there done. because you, the the books that you and Jenny gave us that were Johnny's, I believe, and Nora's. There's three mm-hmm. books that you gave her. Uh, she. I think that. I curated those. I, yes. I think I think I that was that was because uh, I was the I was the one and one is one is I believe the very hungry python or something like that. The very hungry python, yeah, which was written by Eric Carl, yes, who just died in the which last year. Away. Oh, really? Yes, who wrote yep. uh, the very hungry. The, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, yep. the yep. yep. She yep. loves that book. Side note, and then we we do have to wrap up the show here, but. So, Let's the, just keep the, going. On, on the oh, theme, God, on, she's cute. She is <laughs> on the theme of um, Dodd Dodd gifts to to children and firstborn. So I think for Owen, um, they give this like really cute um, like four bottles. It said like quarters, dimes, nickels, pennies, and it came in this really like nice kind of like metal milk crate carrier. Um, and you know they sat around and they were they were nice little mantelpieces or whatever. So um, <laughs> Owen has become more interested in money recently. Oh, is he so stashing he, money in them? So he <laughs> no, he discovered that they were full of money, and he oh. took all of them and put them <laughs> in his bank. No, and I was like, why is this freaking thing like twenty pounds, dude? I was like, where did you get all these from? <laughs> and the ba- his basic logic was nobody was using it, and I stole it first, so nobody can steal it now from me. <laughs> That you actually—that's why it's his. Well, you actually have to tell him that there's a concept called a fair steal, (laughs) which is that I couldn't even broach. This was this was a this was a a concept that my friends and I trafficked in back in the '80s. That if you stole something from one of your group, and then someone stole it from you, it was a fair steal. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you could you could say to Owen, listen, if I steal it back, if I steal it from you, then it's fair. I, I'm I, sorry. Him, I go, well, <laughs> if if I see you're not using it, I'm just gonna steal it back. <laughs> just so you know. Well, I'm glad I'm glad those Very were mature. full of full of money and then he just he he just uh, adopted them. He adopted them, isn't <laughs> <it? laughs> he? That's, <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so we gotta get it, we gotta get a gift for Frida's second birthday. She's a book lover. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she's 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 adorable. Um, as all four of your children are four. Guys got four kids between the two. Yikes! All right, fellas. As always, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Pulp Education, a full service educational media company specializing in leadership instruction and 21st century school reform. Check out our website at edsnotdead.com. And uh, follow the pod uh, at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. 
because uh, one of these two guys is t- tweeting about the pod. Um, share the pod with your friends. We're getting great traffic online, right? Lots of people are listening. Yes. Leave time. feedback. Right. Rate, so, rate us. Rate us. I, I, do think us. We sh- I do think we should do some show feedback next episode. Yes. Come on. I'll, I'll gather. Fun. I'll gather. I'll gather. I got it. All right. Um, any guests coming up? Future episodes? We're working on some education beat reporters. Uh, in, the, in the coming months, we might have Kathy Hoffman on again when she, she just had a baby. So congratulations to her uh, growing family. We'll, we'll, we'll try to get her on in the winter at some point. And uh, I have a couple more people in the hopper that I think are going to be really great. All right. Sounds good. All right, fellas. It's good to see you, uh, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the show. As always, spread the word about Ed's Not Dead. And uh, for Casey and Peter, see you later, fellas. We'll talk to you soon.